Good morning. Welcome to today's devotion. Today we're going to pick up on part two, discussing grace over perfection. And this is part two. I want you to remember the first thing. Remember all demands of the law are met by Christ. Not by Darnell, not by me, not by yourself, but by Christ. That's the most important thing. You also, number two, remember salvation and sanctification, which is a process, which is just as we say at BTC ministry, being transformed by Christ, which has nothing, is nothing more than a sanctification process by grace through faith. No works on my part, just simply believing and accepting and accepting what Christ has already done. Imagine expecting the headache of building your home. If any of you had your home built from the ground up, you know how much time it, it takes and efforts and paperwork and the going back and forth and having this done, having the lot done, having it prepared. Oh man, so much of a process. And you got to show up this day and you got to pick this out and you got to do this. But I need you to get this picture. Imagine showing up and seeing that everything is already done. All you have to do is simply accept. Jesus requires us just to show up and accept him. That's it. He's already done the work. So as we talk about grace and imperfection, maybe you guys can't understand that example. But I want you to imagine this one. Imagine doing a crime and put whatever crime that you can think of in your mind. You murder someone. You know you did it. You raped somebody. You you committed adultery. You lied. You you stole. You cheated. But now the policemen tell you that we're coming to pick you up. Oh, yeah, I've been in that situation being accused. And it doesn't feel good. And they tell you, hey, we're picking you up. We know you did it. But in my case, I knew I didn't do it. Now, imagine you received this letter. We've decided not to charge you. Hallelujah. How much would you not praise God? If you don't understand that example, let me give you this last example. Imagine you charged up a lot of debt, credit card debt, student loans, home, house mortgage, car notes. You went out and you just went crazy spending. You uh, just somebody gave you a credit card and they just said, just come get it, sign for it and you just do it. But imagine one day they call you up and say, someone has paid for all your debt. Wouldn't you start praising God at that moment? Jesus Christ has done done this for us. So why do we make demands on someone else? And we're talking about grace. Freely, Jesus gave it to us. So why? It's because we forget about how much grace he's given us. See, it's grace over perfection. 
and this is part two. Here is another issue that I discovered, the reason why we do that. And because I recognize it for me, I'm going to tell you about me. Because we believe that it's something that we have to do. We have to work for it. So we force others to work for it. Because, see, because the mere fact is I never knew my dad. And the mere fact is because when I was a, a child, a baby, my mom left me with my grandmother probably because she felt a little bit overwhelmed raising twins. So I grew up with this pain inside my heart of rejection. So because I didn't want to feel that pain, see, sometimes we have to go to the root. And once I understood that Jesus works all things for my good, and it's a reason why. If you went through something, if he allowed it to happen, it's the perfect ingredients that he needs you to be who you are for you. If it's, it's no mistake, it's no accident. If, if you were adopted, it's not an accident. If, if you're here and alive and breathing, no matter who your parents are, or no, no matter the circumstances, it's no accident. And that's one of the things I had to understand. I had to, I felt like I had to get these grades in order to be accepted. So I would put my children on that same, try to force them, hey, you got to do this, you got to do this. So I got them in a mode of thinking in order for them to feel accepted by me, because I felt that way, you need to do this and you need to do that. But because of our human mindset, we're always performing. We're performing to get a paycheck. Oh, we, we're, we're doing this. So we're constantly, so when we come and when somebody say just accept Christ, in our minds, we can't fathom how could we accept him by doing this? So we go and try to get volunteer over and over and get into this group and that group. And we're so filled with church activity and we're thinking that we're closer to Christ. But today, let me clear something out. And today some people are going to be free because Jesus has already purchased your salvation. You don't no longer, young man, have to whine and dine women like I had to do, thinking in order you had to say something to get something. You don't have to do that. You see, Christ is your perfection. Freely, he gave it to you, and freely, we are to give it. So we are to stop holding people toward standards that we have not or not keeping ourselves. Christ's job is to change people so we are to love and accept them the way that we are. Now, it brings us to our scriptures for today. John chapter 8, and starting at verse 3, it says that now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, Imagine being called in adultery. They made her stand in the center of the court. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. And now the law 
Moses commanded us to stone such women to death. What about the man? So what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? They said this to test him, hoping that he would have grounds, they would have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down, began writing on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted, he said, I'm going to ignore this. But now they're persistent. So he straightened up and he said, who is it without any sin among you? I'm reading the Amplified Version of the Bible. Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and started writing on the ground. And they listened to his reply. And they began going out one by one, starting with the oldest one until he was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one accuse you, condemn you? Jesus, she said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. So go from now on, sin no more. You see... Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, Father, for your grace. Freely, you've given us grace. And freely, it's our job to give grace to others. Father, help us to see through your word, through the teaching this morning, how gracious you are to us. And allow us to pass that on to others. Teach us how to stand on your truth and apply it to ourselves consistently, completely, so that we can walk in the freeness of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, what Jesus did, which is what I said on part one, we need two things. We need grace as well as truth. We can't do one without the other. It can't be... Well, I'm I'm totally with that, Darnell, but when it comes to us, um, us applying the word to ourselves, it's not so much of us putting the word on others. As a new Christian and a new believer, I did that a lot. And usually, that's how you can tell when somebody's mature. They, oh... You guys over there smoking, you guys over there drinking. But see, we're, we have to recall there are certain things that is not perfect in us. We still lie. We still cheat. It's not our job to throw the script, I mean, to, to point and to beat people down with the word of God. It's simply our job to read the scriptures, which is what I'm doing, and allowing the Holy Spirit to show people the truth. Once they hear the truth, it's Christ's job through the Holy Spirit to show people how to walk it out. We simply love them and encourage them. Let me show you, because as I'm 
reading this today, I don't want you to get in the habit just like I was in that performance. Because once you accept salvation, it's about us just simply accepting the work of Christ. So a lot of us struggle with this just like I did. I struggle with accepting the things that Christ had already did. But in Romans chapter 1, verses 17, verse 17, it says it like this, for the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith disclose a way that awakens more faith as is written and forever remains, the just and the upright shall live by faith. See, as we put ourselves under the word of God as new believers and as old believers, no matter where you are, consistently listening and allowing the word to sink in, the more and more we're transformed. We just got to simply sit there in that word. And, and listen and read it and allow Jesus Christ to do it. It's no, not based on how good we are. We can't, there's not a measure of perfection. We don't have to do anything. We just have to receive it and accept it. That's what this is. The righteous, our righteousness is our right standing in God is revealed by faith. And as we are looking through the word, it opens us up to see things, what is written in it. And we learn to live out a life by faith. Let's go to the next scripture. Romans 3, chapter 3, and Verse 20 says it like this. It says that for no person will be justified, freed of guilt, and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do. See, that was me. I would volunteer. I'm on this Team, I'm I'm on a cleaning team at church. I'm on a um um everything that they need me to do. I'm trying to do it because I'm thinking that in order for me to be accepted, it's nothing wrong with doing those things. But you got to understand, you got to check your heart motives. And what Christ has said, just like the woman at. Um, the other day when we talked about in John 4, the woman at the well, Jesus approached her, approach her with worshiping him with spirit and in truth. In other, in other words, allowing the truth. When we said it's grace and truth, meaning that the truth has to get in there in order for us to understand what grace is all about. And in order for us to become like him, we have to apply the truth to our life. It's not about us trying to apply it to others. Wow. So it says no person can be free of guilt by declaring himself righteous in, in his sight 
or trying to do works of the law. And through the law, we become conscious of sin. See, that's the purpose of the Bible. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. Only Jesus did. I, I said um, the other day that when Christ was born, we, we notice in the scriptures, we get a picture from the time he was born, and then when he was 12 years old, and then he comes on the scene for ministry. So we said that in between that time, I believe that he was fulfilling all 600 commandments of the Bible perfectly. He was trying to give us a glimpse of how himself being fully divine because the Father sent his Son in this world in order for to completely do away the sin, to come on our behalf, but to show us how to live a life as so he had to pour his spirit, and he Christ had to be born in human form, but being divine in order f to show us how to live. With Christ living inside of us, meaning we're human, but we have a divine nature, which is in Christ living with us, but through the power of the Holy Spirit operating, we know how to live this life. I hope you catch that in your spirit. So let me move on because Romans 8 and 1 says that because we all sin, there's no one here on this earth as a Christian, no matter how much you've been saved. When I first got saved, I kept going to the club, I kept drinking. I kept doing certain things until one day I got the revelation. Some things I lost that desire to do right away. But then there were things happen because it's a process for them going away, for me letting go. It wasn't God. It wasn't that he wasn't working. It's just that I wasn't allowing the process to work. So what we have to tell when we see the sisters with the short skirts on, the dresses and the club clothes on, we have to leave them alone. We can't we shouldn't judge them. We shouldn't judge somebody that that's um just still singing things, worldly music or culture. It's okay. We have to let them know that it's okay and love them and laugh at them and just enjoy them and they keep bringing them to Christ and say, hey, I want you to come with me and I want you to sit with me. Let them see the Christ, but you love the Christ inside of them. So, because in Romans 8, we have to remember that he says it like this. There is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those of you who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him, as your personal savior for the law of the spirit, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of us as a new being. Again, I'm going to say it like this for what the law could not in Romans eight 
and, th and 3 says that for the law could not do is to overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh. Man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent his own son in, his, in the likeness of a sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order so that the righteous and the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh being guided by worldliness or our sinful nation, nature, but to live our lives in the ways of the spirit guided by his power. As I said, we have to remember it's the, it's the work of Christ. That's what grace is all about. There is no perfection. There is nothing required. So we can't put those requirements on others. We have to simply allow the work of Christ. We can't condemn them and we have to let them know. When they're new believers, don't feel condemned if you fall short. Just keep on, keep on trucking on with your relationship with God. The next scripture in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, it says it like this, but it is by grace, God's unmerited favor. It is no longer on the base of our works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. It will not be a gift, but a reward. But a reward for works. In other words, if we had to do it ourselves, we would be doing it over and over and over again. And that's what sometimes that's what we do, just like I was over and over and over again. I'm trying to make this thing happen. But the good news of it is, is Christ already made it happen. We can't do enough. We can't earn enough. We can't say enough. We just simply accept the free gift, his free favor. The more and more we accept that, the more and more we mature as a believer. So we read, as we read in Galatians chapter 2, Verse 21, it says, do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of God, his amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes from through observing the law, all the Ten Commandments, then Christ died needlessly and his suffering and the death would have had no purpose whatsoever. You see, Paul was teaching this because back in those days, there was a group of individuals called Judaizers, which meant that they felt, and sometimes I, I ran into certain people um, when I was growing in my new faith. They were trying to explain to me, you had to do this, and um, the Bible says do that, then that. You, you see, you got it all wrong. You, you got to do this, this thing. So they were trying to teach that in order 
for you to be safe, you had to do this law and that law and that law. You have to line yourself and you got to do this thing perfectly. But then there is a group of individuals says, yeah, I, I live by grace. Yeah, I, I know I'm all about. But see, the, the problem with that is you got to understand truth. And the truth is you got to apply the truth. In other words, I have to, yes, I'm living under the grace of God, but I have to apply the truth of the word of God to my life. The more and more I'm under the word and I realize what the word is going to con con convict me, not condemn me, into what I'm doing. And because of that, I'm automatically, things are going to be changed and transformed from my life. And that's the purpose of the renewing of the mind. Because then I'm going to get the revelation of what God says about certain activities in my life, in my life, not in others, in my life. I apply, I used to try to apply the truth to others' life, but now God has shown me it's up, it's up to him to do that. It's just up to me to simply apply to my life and explain and show people the truth, which is the word of God, and show them what the, what the Bible says. But it's up to them to be Convinced, convicted, and be, and Jesus transformed. I'm gonna move on. First, I mean Galatians five says it like this, five and one. It says that in order for us to live, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free. In other words, He set us free, meaning that. We don't have to be in bondage for any of our sinful habits. If you're in a, uh, if you're trying to struggling with an issue yourself, like I was, promiscuity, uh, reading, and I will be honest with you, uh, maybe a year or so ago, I was struggling with watching certain movies on television shows. There were, and I would say to myself, "Well, it's not porn." But, however, for me, when I would watch certain settings with people doing having affairs and people committing adultery and they're in bed and everything, I got, as I was reading, I got convicted, guys. And so I, I told my wife, I kind of felt bad. I almost started to feel like, okay, I'm cheating on you because in my mind, I have these images inside of me. I'm feeding these images. So once the Holy Spirit gave me that revelation, I had to stop looking at certain things. For me, certain people, it doesn't affect. But for me, because of what it was doing to me, I applied the truth for me. And therefore, I understood just like it says. It said, I had to walk in the freedom, stand the firm, and not being subject to my formal yoke of slavery. And that was my formal yoke, promiscuality. So if I'm enjoying that, then that's what I'm enjoying. And he said, Paul tells us, if you receive circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation 
Christ would be no benefit for you. For you will lack faith in Christ necessary for salvation. In other words, when I fell, I had to understand it wasn't about me doing. It was about the grace of God. So the more and more as I understand grace, I understand that it has nothing to do with my salvation. It didn't mean that I wasn't saved because I was sinning, but it meant that I'm not obligated to have to keep doing that. It says that, remember, in verse 4, it said, you have been severed from Christ if you seek to be justified. In other words, by doing things for the law, trying to fulfill it. For it's a free gift of sin. It is, its penalty has been placed in right standing with God through the law. You have fallen from grace. In other words, if we insist on doing and doing and performing over and over again, you're nullifying grace. You're not understanding what grace is all about. If you insist on trying to perform in order to receive salvation, your job is simply to enjoy it, accept it, and stand on his truth and allow him to work. I'm going to move on. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says it like this. For it's by grace God's unremarkable compassion favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved. That's what we have to let people know. It's by grace. It's through faith and through the salvation. It's not though yourselves doing any effort. It's no work on your own, but it's this undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor any attempts to keep any laws so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for salvation. So it's not up to us to keep pointing the fingers at others, as I said through the first scriptures. Hey, you, you're committing adultery. That's not our job. You see, it's up to us to simply keep inviting them. Let Christ do his work. Christ didn't condemn the woman, but he also gave her, he showed her mercy, but he also showed her truth. He said, go and sin no more. He gave us all that same opportunity. See, it says it all, furthermore, it says, God, Christ, Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed, and he, he was ready to be used for the good works which God prepared beforehand, taking paths which he has set so that we would walk in living a good life which has been prearranged and made ready for us. So, as I start at this last, stop at this last scripture, and I want you to re remind you, it says, for the remarkable, in Titus 2, 11, grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires, to live sensible and upright godly lives with the purpose of reflecting our spiritual maturity at this present age.
I want you to understand this as you close about grace and truth. The truth is, as I apply the word of my life to my life, I'm not going to want to do certain desires of doing certain things will automatically those things will go away. I'm going to desire not the sensations of the immoral things, but those, the things that don't reflect Christ in this present age will automatically not be given my desires. But even as I'm growing in my faith, I continue on, and the next thing you know, those things no longer get to me. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the free gift of God, the, the gift of grace. Freely, it's been given to us, so freely, we give it unto others. Freely, you didn't judge us, so we decide that we don't want to judge others. We're, we know that we've sinned just like the men did that bought the women. We, we've done, we may not have been committing adultery, but there's other things that we do on a regular basis. But we simply bring our sinful habits, our, the, the sin in our lives to you. And we ask that you would convict us and change us and transform us as we, we read and understand and apply your truth to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I can't leave out Someone that maybe are just new in your faith and maybe not understanding what this is all about. You may have doubts concerning whether you fully accepted Christ in your life. Well, I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity. And you need to understand it's something as simple as asking him to come into your life. So I'm going to lead you to a short prayer. Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I'm asking that you come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died for every single one of my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave. Now, from this day forward, take total control of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of Christ. And I want to invite you to reach out to us at btcempowerment.org and click on the contact me link. We just want to simply put you on a prayer list and we want to reach out to you and provide a free gift to you and just want to continue to have conversations have a wonderful day. Remember, grace, there's grace, it's grace over perfection. It's not perfection. Have a wonderful day.